Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. Today is Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. Back from a hiatus, uh, we've got Andrew Malcolm back with us on Tuesdays, as we usually do. And so we are uh, fully loaded today. We're also going to have uh, my latest SRN uh, town hall commentary for you as part of today's podcast. Andrew and I talk about his latest um, his latest columns over at redstate.com. We talk about the uh, issues with Donald Trump. We talk about uh, some of the issues with Joe Biden as well. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty wide-ranging conversation, as it usually is with Andrew Malcolm. And I'm hoping that you're going to enjoy that. By the way, I want to thank all of you who have joined our VIP program over the past uh, few months. It's been a big success for us, and it's going to allow us to do many more things in the future. So again, a big thank you for that. We'll have another pitch at the end of the at the end of the show, of course, just like we usually do. But I do want to just get out in front and thank everybody who's joined up. Um, I would also say that um, you know I've taken a I, I took a small hiatus from podcasting. Uh, so did Adam Baldwin. We both had other things going on, but we are going to be recording the new Amiable Skeptics uh, episodes this week. So you can expect to see the first one on Friday and uh, you will uh, also see Dwayne Patterson on Thursday. Uh, so we'll have a um, Amiable Skeptics show on Friday. We'll have another one on Monday. That's the VIP space. The ones here for the Ed Morrissey show, of course, are in the clear and uh, you uh, you be able to access those. I might have something for tomorrow as well. I'm not sure, but of course, tomorrow I'm doing the uh, VIP gold chat with Cam Edwards. So um, we may not uh, we may not do anything special in terms of the Ed Morrissey Show podcasts uh, for that. But today and Thursday with Dwayne Patterson, Friday, of course, Amiable Skeptics with Adam Baldwin and VIP Gold Chat tomorrow, Wednesday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're a VIP Gold member, you can uh, be part of that. And so we're going to have some more scheduling issues coming down, of course, because holidays are, are coming up. And so we're going to have uh, some some other brief hiatuses coming up just to warn you. Um, and, uh, looking forward to, uh, getting back into the new year and into the presidential primary cycle, which is, um, to some extent already started, but let's focus on what's going on in today's news. First off the fallout from Elon Musk's, uh, revelations in the Twitter files continues. The Washington post now says that nobody should really care that they didn't uh, want to report on Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, David Strom has that, uh, going on right now. And uh, you're going to start seeing some of these. Um, uh, you're going to start seeing some of these non mea culpa reactions here, where the rationalizations, uh, you know, the, uh, to avoid accountability for the fact that not only did they not cover it, but they were helping to actively suppress it by claiming that all of this was Russian disinformation with absolutely no data on that whatsoever. The Washington Post is sort of out front on that, but the New York Times has done this as well. Uh, they're trying to just say the fact that people thought it was Russian disinformation was enough for them to treat it as Russian disinformation, which isn't journalism in any sense of the word, <laughs> but it is what our modern ma mainstream media has come to. It's the only fig leaf that they've got left in this uh, sad, sorry debacle, and they're going to deploy it as much as they possibly can. Uh, Joe Biden is going to Arizona today, but he's not going to the border. Why? <laughs> Literally, he says there's more important things going on than the border crisis. Why is he in Arizona then? Well, he's there to sort of suck up some of the um, some of the attention from an expansion by a Taiwanese chip manufacturing company, TMSC, 
which is opening a new manufacturing facility in Arizona. They plan to invest $40 billion worth of um, uh, capital into chip manufacturing in the United States, which is great. That's fine. Doesn't require the president to be out there to do that, though. On the other hand, the actual responsibility for the southern border rests with the federal government, constitutionally speaking. And since he's the chief executive of the federal government, it's his responsibility to make sure that the border is secure and laws are being enforced down there. And this would even still be okay, kind of, sort of, to say if Joe Biden had even bothered once to go by the border (laughs) to take a look and see what was going on. Hasn't been there one time. Not one time as president has he been there. The, and of course, the, the White House was claiming that he'd gone to the border, I think it was last week, I have it in my post today, um, saying that, uh, you know, he, uh, Joe Biden's gone to the border and Peter Ducey says, when? Well, apparently the only time he's even come close to it was in September of 2008 when he was driving along the border for a few minutes on his way to a rally in Las Cruces. Uh, in uh, for the uh, presidential campaign. He was, you know, on, on the ticket with Barack Obama. So that's apparently the the fig leaf on that as well. And uh, so, yeah, Biden has better things to do than to go check out the border crisis that he's created, that he's perpetuated, and that his policies have had no impact on slowing down, <clears throat> much to the consternation of the border states such as Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. Now, We do have to point out, though, and I do right off the top, that Arizona is almost as far away from Georgia as you can get in the continental United States. Georgia's runoff is today. Of course, this is the this is going to be the big news tonight is the results from the runoff election in Georgia for the one midterm race that's still out there. I know that Lauren Boebert's um, house race is going through recount, but that's pretty much over. The voting's over at any case in Colorado. It's not in Georgia. Today is Election Day for the runoff. And it doesn't really look good for Herschel Walker. I mean, it's it doesn't look so bad that he couldn't pull off a, um, uh, a, a, I guess you call it an upset. I wouldn't call it a miracle, but it would be an upset at this point if Herschel Walker managed to win the election today. There's a number of polls out uh, in this past few days. There was almost no polling going on prior to last week, which I found interesting. But this week, a bunch of polls dropped and all of them have Raphael Warnock ahead. Not by a lot. I think three polls had him up by five, and the rest of them were three, two, uh, one. But none of them had even had a had a dead-on tie. Some of these would be considered statistical ties because they were within the margin of error. But uh, about half of them were outside the margin of error, slightly outside the margin of error, but still outside of it. So right now, it looks like Warnock is probably going to pull that race out. By the time you see this, it would probably be this evening, and uh, you can um, you can bet that we'll probably know by the time this thing actually hits up on up on the site maybe not it might go up this afternoon but i'm going to i'm going to say i'm prepared for a loss here i'd be happy to see a win but i'm prepared for a loss and if so then that actually does change things in the senate because right now in a 50-50 senate the committee um assignments are equal uh each party has an equal number of seats once you go 51-49 that changes and the um and the majority party ends up with more seats on all the committees. Now, functionally speaking, all that really means is that Chuck Schumer doesn't have to uh, do a particular uh, parliamentary maneuver to pull to pull bills or nominees out of committee. 
it doesn't really stop things. It doesn't really stop the majority from moving their bills. It just slows it down a little bit. But just the same, 50-50 for Republicans would be better than 49-51. Than and so, and based on the fact that Brian Kemp won the uh, gubernatorial election on the same ballot by a fairly wide margin, this is looking like a loss that didn't really have to happen. And I think that in in the aftermath of this, Republicans are going to have to grapple with the fact that what messaging worked in 2016 isn't working in 2018, 2020, or in 2022. And it means that they're going to have to make some hard decisions on which direction to go in for 2024. Uh, Donald Trump, of course, we uh, Andrew and I, again, we talk a little bit about Donald Trump's comments about terminating the Constitution and, and some of the laws in order to put him back in office based on the 2020 election. Um, that's probably the wrong direction. <laughs> and I think that the midterm elections have shown that voters are simply not responding to that. They want to look forward. They don't want to look backward. And they certainly don't want to suspend the Constitution. And I think conservatives should be very, 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 very wary of trying to normalize uh, any such talk or rhetoric because it won't, the Constitution is what protects our rights. It's what keeps us from tyranny. And once you strip that away, I mean, I hate to keep pulling out the scene from a man for all seasons, but once you tear down the Constitution, there is literally no place to hide from tyrants and from tyranny. Literally none. No place to hide. Once you make once you make an excuse to do that, the excuses will come fast and furious, so to speak, and the Constitution will simply no longer be a foundational protection against um, against tyranny and in protection of our natural rights. Um, uh, and 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 sovereignty, citizen sovereignty. It's just as simple as that. That's not worth even if you think that the 2020 election was um, was corrupted. It's not it, it, it the the value in the Constitution far outstrips any one election, any one politician. And frankly, everybody should realize that. Um, and the the type of rhetoric in which Trump engages should be disqualifying. We'll see if it is. That's really up to voters. It's not up to, it's not up to me, but it should be disqualifying. All right, we're going to talk about that and much more with Andrew. By the way, tons of stuff over at Hot Air. Um, we've got a German study showing that the COVID-19 vaccines might be uh, damaging people's health. Um, obviously, more is needed on that. Uh, there's a new... Uh, bipartisan immigration reform framework that's coming up at the same time that Joe Biden thinks he doesn't need to go to the border. Um, I think that that's a mistake. I talk about that in my post too, but Karen Townsend has the nuts and bolts of this uh, immigration reform. You should definitely read that. Biden's going to extend and, uh, and expand temporary status for Haitians, which again is just providing more incentives for runs on the border and without providing uh, border security to deal with those with the with the consequences of those incentives and this compromise is going to make that situation worse or, or, or at the very least perpetuate it uh, plenty more at hot air be sure to check all of that out check out my conversation right now with andrew malcolm thanks for watching Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. After a little bit of a hiatus, we are back. Joining me, as always on Tuesdays, except when I'm gold bricking, the prince of Twitter, 
theregentofredstate.com, Andrew Malcolm at A.H. Malcolm on Twitter. And of course, redstate.com is where his columns, usually VIP columns, are published. And um, yeah, you are the prince of Twitter. And uh, yeah. I think you got a lot to answer for, actually. Under, <laughs> under your reign, I think there's a lot to answer for, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've been censoring everything on Twitter. It's all up to me, and it's a terrible responsibility. Ed. Apparently so. The only thing you haven't been censoring are claims that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and I've really got a bone to pick with you about that one. But <laughs> well, that that one's for Storm. That was for Storm and Matt. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> so I mean, this is uh, I'm not even sure that what was on you know, unleashed on Friday, right? Um, it's only been a couple of days since these Twitter, the Twitter files have been revealed, right? And actually, I don't think that there was a lot of surprises in this. I think we kind of knew what had happened. We even knew for the most part who was involved and why. Um, I think it was important to get it out there so that people could actually have, you know, the uh, documentation. Yeah. Right, the, 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 the document trail for this stuff. So, I mean, I think it was important I'm not necessarily, I mean, I wasn't surprised by anything I saw there. I mean, about, about the only surprising thing that I really saw there was that Jack Dorsey didn't have a lot to do with it. It was mostly done behind Jack Dorsey's back. Um, and that may explain why Jack Dorsey was sort of kind of encouraging Elon Musk to follow through on the sale. Um, but I mean, this was, this was not exactly, like I said, it wasn't overwhelming. I think there's more to come. Yes. I, but I think what's really instructive about this is how the mainstream media is reacting to this. They're oh, horrified. Yeah. They're horrified that it's been exposed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, first of all, I'm almost positive there is more to come. And if Elon Musk is as clever as I think he is um, in many ways, uh, he released the least of it on Friday. And I'm hoping that there's more blockbuster stuff uh, as we go. Uh, if you wanted it to be a big splash, I don't think you'd do it on a Friday in December. So, yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping there's more. Uh, and I know Sister told you at at Red State had a, a good piece this afternoon about that, which is Monday about uh, the hypocrisy and the blatant BS that the mainstream media is throwing up, you know, I mean, while we couldn't verify it, my butt, you couldn't verify it. Did you verify everything in the Russiagate? Well, did they the, verify the, the idea file? that it was, that it was Russian disinformation? I mean, they were, they were claiming that they didn't want to cover yeah, it was yeah, Russian disinformation. They never verified that. They were yeah. just, they were they, just saying it. That, that's the, yeah. that's the cover story. And to my eyes, and having worked inside the mainstream media for 36 or seven years, um, I'm suspecting that um, that's their cover. That's their, that's just their, their phony, phony cover that, that they're throwing up. That this their modified limited hangout. Remember the term modified limited hangout. That's their modified limited. Hangout. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it just smells to high heaven and um, it's shocking. And it, it sort of grows out of the, the era of the arrogant era of the mainstream media. You know, for decades, 
and it grew worse, they had monopolies in terms of newspapers and magazines. Of course, there was no online to compete. Um, so the newspapers would decide what was the news. People came and got it, and that was it, as Walter Cronkite said. Um, what did he say? He said, that's the end of it, or that's, that's the way it is, or something like that, at the end of every show. Well, it isn't. And they, the mainstream media was slow to adapt to it when internet burst on the scene and online and and um, and bloggers and so on which became in effect independent fact checkers uh and so when they're caught literally with their pants down on on the russia disinformation and hunter biden and other things um they fall back to the well you know we have standards and we have ethics and so on and it's it's just complete bs uh and it's disappointing for me because uh i don't think this would have happened uh in um in my era which ended some time ago um uh, remember the pentagon not over yet you're still around <laughs> <laughs> all right but different values different outlets different social uh yeah, expectations i get you, I yeah. Get you. yeah yeah um so uh yeah it's it's disappointing and i'm eager to see what else comes out um i think musk is doing it exactly the right way um he intrigues me greatly i have to say um oh yeah i mean he's definitely an intriguing guy but i mean you say he's doing it the right way that's actually part of the controversy right is that a lot of these people are kind of i don't know what the right technical term is i think it may be butthurt um, <laughs> over the fact that over the fact that Matt Taby was given access to all this stuff. Yeah, imagine that. Huh. On, on the on the condition that he tweet them out first before he put them on his Substack uh, platform. And even Taby was a little put out by that. I mean, Taby wrote a note to his subscribers. I happen to subscribe to Taby because I just think he's interesting, right? I don't necessarily agree with his politics, but he's an interesting writer. And of late, he's been very um what's what's the right word for that um uh, kind of going against uh assumptions i guess you know yeah. uh, but uh you know he, he sent a note to all of his subscribers saying i would i didn't want to do it this way the only way i was going to be allowed to to report on this was to do it on twitter um well, so it, what? I mean, it's, 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 kind of, it's a promotion thing for elon musk i mean it really is i mean it, I still well, don't look, understand why that doesn't why that makes it not yeah, news though. Okay. okay. This is part of the BS that I was talking about. Right. And when the intelligence agency and the deep state and even Trump's um quote aides leak stuff um to the people on Axios and 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 HuffPost and everywhere else, they leak it with conditions. Okay, and the reporter agrees to it in order to get the scoop. And the conditions are you do it Monday morning, you don't identify me ever. Right. And that's it. And there may be a condition if the editor's a good one, he will say to the writer, I need to know who it is. I'm not telling anybody, but I need to know who it is. And then the reporter will say, Well, I promise not to tell anybody. And he said, Well, then we're not running the story. 
Um, right. So then he tells the editor and two people know. Um, but you can't you can't direct quote me. You have to call me. They they stipulate when they leak what you can identify me as. Um, you know, a senior Trump aide when they may or may not be senior, whatever that means. Um, right. And and you can't do this before Sunday night, 9 p.m. and all this stuff, because they the reasons they leak are many, including interoffice politics. They're undermining yeah. somebody else. That's the way they got Rex Tillerson out. They, 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 they destroy him. They're 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 doing it to get one up on somebody else in the same office, and the reporter becomes part of this um, conspiracy. But he does it, and they know he will do it because it's a scoop, and it may be a crap scoop. You know, I mean, it may right. it may not be real. There are leaks that that. <laughs> We've seen this recently. There are leaks that turn out to be completely false, and the reporter got played. But you know what? He'll invite getting played again, over and over, in return for the scoop. If you're in, if you're in that fetid hothouse of Washington journalism and politics, they go with it. That's the way it. That's the way it goes. Yeah. Well, and again, that's how that's how the sausage gets made, no matter who the media outlet is. I've done that. Right. <laughs> I mean, that was sort of how I got, you know, like national notice in the first place. I got a leak from inside the um, the ad scam trial. The um, uh, uh, I, I forget the name of the judge. Gomer, I think, was the name of the judge in Canada who had put a um, who had put a um, uh, injunction on again the media for, you know, to to prevent them from reporting on the testimony, even though they and government officials had closed circuit television to watch the to watch this the media were not allowed to report on this and somebody who was on the inside and to this day i couldn't tell you who it was i knew who it was at the time <laughs> i will i will tell you that i knew the person's name i knew what the, the person's position was couldn't even i mean this was what 17 years ago so i mean it's, yeah. it's been a while um and by the way if you're if if you were if you were my source Please reach out to me just so I can check in on you, see how you're doing. Um, <laughs> if you happen to see this, check in with me. Um, but was, but I, did you have a code name for him? It was deep, deep inner ear or something. I think it was. I think it was uh, code a boot. No, I mean you know. Drink <laughs> uh, you your old. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was strange brew. I think I called him strange brew. Uh, no, I didn't call him strange brew. I just referred to him as a, you know, I, I he asked me to identify him in a certain way, and I did. Um, and you know, and I really had to take it on faith. <laughs> he was yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And That's I mean, right. I, I'm always, I always remember. Uh, and I thought about it at the time, too. I don't know if you remember the old Mary Tyler Moore show. I think we've talked about this uh, the, yeah. the scene with when Luke, when uh, Mary Tyler Moore is reporting on some sort of inside information at a um, teachers union negotiation that the strike is going to be over. And, and uh, you know, their station breaks the news that the strike is going to be over. They've agreed to the terms and nobody else is reporting that. Right. And Lou Grant says, it reminds me of the time when I was a young stringer on a, you know, on a weekend thing, nobody was around. And I got this great tip that, um, that was just absolutely, uh, you know, just an absolute huge story. 
and I couldn't run it by anybody. And I had to decide whether or not I could, I was going to run it. And I ended up running it. And you know that, you know what that story was that the Japanese had just bombed San Diego. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. I mean, everybody, it's, it's a great scene. If you get, I mean, I'm, I'm shortening. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know Mary Tyler Moore, you know, that whole crew, they were great actors. And, um, and, and so you got to watch the whole scene because it's really hilarious. Everybody goes, oh, they're already, wow. Oh, um, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, so I had, I definitely had that in mind. Uh, and then I started getting feedback almost immediately asking me where I got my information because it was very, very accurate. And there was a whole lot of reporters there who wanted to know why they were talking to me rather than somebody else. And, um, and just because I happened to be, more or less a free speech um, guy, and still am. And so, I mean, it's kind of almost sort of related to the to the Twitter topic. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, <laughs> you, you, you protect your sources, that's what you do. I don't really know what the source's motive was other than to get around the gag order um, in Canada, which by the way, they still do. They still, they still gag the media. Oh yeah, that's a, sort of the British legal system. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so it, um, so I ended up making national news, both in the United States and Canada at the, at precisely the time I got laryngitis. <laughs> I love a week. People calling me up saying, we want to get you on the air. Okay. <laughs> I'll be glad to talk to you. <laughs> I'm going to sound like I'm from the Godfather. <laughs> I could have been a star. Could have been a contender. It could have been a contender. <laughs> Different Marlon Brando role, but you know. All right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what else is coming out of there. And, and actually, I'm. I think that there's. Well, that's what to- you're supposed to do. See, that's part of right. the buildup. You don't put it all out at once, and it gets lost. So you put no. some out, then more, and you die. If you're Rex Tillerson, you die by a thousand pinpricks. Yeah, that's what uh, Andrew Breitbart modeled that too in the blogosphere was that you don't you don't put the whole thing out you do it one drip at a time and build up the audience so yeah all right so that's going on you mentioned donald trump we should talk a little bit about donald trump this week too because uh i I think that there was a sea change already in terms of donald trump and the right i mean i i think that there's still sort of a um a legacy defensiveness uh, on behalf of Trump when uh, certain media things come to light, but he's kind of shot himself in the foot himself this week. I mean, if you're coming out to saying that we need to terminate parts of the constitution in order to get me back in office. Yeah. Um, it's a suicide. It's a, yeah. It was suicide. I think uh, now he's survived many awful missteps and scandals. So, you know, it, it should never write him off, but uh, this was suicide. I remember in in um, uh, in high school we had to read the Greek tragedies, and yeah. every time I see him do this, I think about Greek tragedies. You know, where the king the king is ousted not by a military coup, but he's ousted by his own pride, uh, and and falls and collapses because because of something he himself did. And um, yeah, I think Trump went uh, maybe two bridges too far on this one. 
So yeah. he's, you know, I think his support was waning. Yep. That's why. Uh, yeah, anyway, because people want to look ahead and he seems so stuck in 2020. Um, and and the, the pettiness, that's why DeSantis was so smart not to respond. The pettiness in calling opponents or uh, potential opponents uh, by uh, derogatory nicknames. Um, and you just look very small uh, doing that. Um, so his support, I think, was waning. I think this this will hurt it badly. And I noticed today, being Monday, that uh, a number of evangelical uh, leaders are saying that it's time to move on. Now, that was his most loyal base. And I understand why, and rightly so. That was his most loyal base. But the evangelicals who could look past a lot of personal misbehavior uh, and still support him because he delivered uh, on evangelical issues. But now um, they're peeling away. And uh, I don't think it's going to get better for him. No, you know, and I think you're right. I think that after the midterms, especially, um, I actually think that this is the, the support yes. has been gradually falling away after the, the 2020 election debacle. Um, but after the midterms, especially, I think people looked at that and said, this is not a guy whose instincts are serving us well. And I think that that might be one reason why Donald Trump is deciding that he needs to go boldly where no rational candidate has ever gone before. I mean, I don't know that you run on suspending the Constitution. No, no, it's insanity. It's it's utter insanity. Of course, today he's denying that he said that, even though he literally said, um, well, I'm going to quote. Okay, because I want to make sure that I get this right while we're talking about this. Um, Two days ago, he said a massive fraud of this type of magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulation and articles, even those found in the Constitution. That's quote. That's what he wrote. Uh, Today, he's saying the fake news is actually trying to convince the American people that I said I wanted to terminate the Constitution. This is simply more disinformation and lies, just like the Russia, Russia, Russia and all the other hoaxes and scams. Um, What he meant was that steps must be immediately taken to right the wrong. (laughs) No, I mean, (laughs) yeah, I I don't know how, first off, he's lying (laughs) because he literally said that to, he literally called for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles around elections, including those found in the constitution. So he did argue for terminating at least part of the constitution. And secondly, uh, we've litigated the 2020 election. He litigated it through the, the proper channels. Um, I know that he still thinks that he won. He didn't. Um, no, he still I, says he still says he thinks he won. I actually think he thinks he won. I, I think that he firmly believes that. I think he's convinced himself of it. Um, but I mean, this is I mean, if he had said, look, I won that election. I'm coming back around because I want to run for another term because it's frankly, I think it's owed to me after the fraud that took place, you know, in 2020, that would be an argument. I I still think it'd be a bad argument. I think it looks backwards rather than forwards, like you just said, but to argue that we should suspend the constitution in order to put him back in office is an argument against any sort of protection of liberty whatsoever. 
the Constitution is our foundational document. And it's not that the Constitution provides us rights. It's that the Constitution constrains the government from taking our rights. And once you have demolished the Constitution, all of those protections go away. They all go away. If you if you legitimize suspending the Constitution um, because somebody didn't like an outcome, then literally you can suspend it. There, there's there's no limit yeah, on what you can whenever suspend. you want. Yeah, whenever for whatever want, for whatever reason. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's exactly right, yeah. and that's more important than whether or not Donald Trump feels he got rooked. <laughs> and I yeah I understand people's appreciation. I have appreciation for Trump. Same. I really do. What he did as president. The policy things he did were amazing. In a in a relatively short period of time, he accomplished so many things, and we don't have time to go through the list. But it's quite impressive what he did. When we get back to the Greek tragedy, what what he fell over was his own personal behavior, and people got tired of the turmoil. Yep. And you know, um, he's lying. And if we go after Joe Biden for lying, then I think we have to face the fact that Donald Trump was lying at times. Yep. Yeah. Barack Obama lied, too, by the way. Oh, everybody. Yeah, right. There's always a certain amount of lying. But I mean, there's 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 lying and there's, you know, pissing on my head and telling me that it's raining sort of lying. And, And the idea that he didn't argue to terminate the Constitution to get himself back into office two days prior to. Yeah. I mean. That, that's that's the micturating on your head and pretending it's precipitation. Uh, <laughs> and Joe it. Biden saying the economy is strong as hell. Yeah, no, no, sorry, no, no. no. Yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm not endorsing Joe Biden by any stretch of the imagination. I voted for Trump twice, um, and I was I was reluctant the first time. I was pretty happy to do it the second time, in large part because of the alternative, but also because of the four years of the policies that I actually liked. And uh, but yeah, I mean, it's time to it's time to move forward. Um, and I think if they can do that, it makes it a lot easier to make Joe Biden a yeah, Republicans can do that. It makes it a lot easier to make Joe Biden a one term president. That brings us um, to your VIP column this week, yeah. which is forget reelection. Can Joe Biden even make it to 2024? Um, you know, Apparently so, because Gavin Newsom says he's not going to run now. He was going yeah. to be the, the guy who was going to challenge. Well, yeah, well, that can change. That can Just change. like Trump can change. You know, Trump could say, you know what? The media is undermined and I'm, 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 uh, they set it up so I can't win. And it's true. I don't think he can win, but he could he could bow out and try to find a graceful way and blame it on somebody else. Um and Biden, I think, is going to have to come up with, with a reason. He says he's going to be thinking here the next few months, take some more time off uh, to think about it. I think he really wants to. Uh, and because of the midterm, some Democrats are saying, well, maybe he wouldn't be so bad, but he'd be awful. And if the Republicans got a strong candidate other than Trump, uh, you know, he'd be toast, I think. And, you know, this, and I put this in the column Sunday, the historical precedent or the historical pattern is that when a one-term president decides not to seek a second term, that's only happened twice in modern times, Yep. his, his party 
loses the White House for the next two terms. And that was um, um, Lyndon Johnson and, yep. Harry, and Harry Truman in 1952, well, 52, 53. Uh, and he decided, Truman said it because, well, I, I've had part of a term already because he inherited it. And okay, you can make that argument. And then he said he wasn't going to run again. I think he didn't run again because he knew he wasn't going to beat Dwight Eisenhower. I don't, I don't know if anybody could have beat him. Um, and Lyndon Johnson bowed out in '68 uh, because of all the Vietnam turmoil and his mistakes and the deaths and assassinations. And and Hubert Humphrey lost, not by a huge margin, but he lost. And then, of course, Richard Nixon won, and then he won again in '72 against McGovern. So it would be a, a, a bad omen for Biden to bow out after one term, but um, they may have to bite the bullet, the Democrats. Well, I think in, in, in the case here, if you don't have Trump as a bete noir, it's yeah. going to be difficult to rally. It's going to be difficult for yeah, to rally point. around the performance yeah. of the last couple of years, at least. And I don't think it's going to improve much over the, over the, in the, in the next two years. Um, well, you know, he had the, over the weekend, he had the toast to the president of Frank. <laughs> Let's not that? forget Marcus de Lafayette. Yeah, Marcus de Lafayette. And I, so I said on Twitter, instead of Marquis de Lafayette, I, so I said Marcus de Lafayette, was, was he that rapper from Louisiana? <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, from, Marcus from Lafayette. Marcus, long time, long time. Marcus de Lafayette. Yeah, Marcus from Lafayette, longtime listener, first time caller. Great to have you on the show. <laughs> All right, Marcus, what's your question? Oh, hey, I, I think that this uh, American Revolution is going very well. <laughs> All right, Marcus, thank you for your call. Um, yeah, and, you know, you know, I I have to say that I almost can kind of get. Uh, you can't excuse Frank. <laughs> There's no excusing no. Frank, but I think what he thought was that that was Marcus de Lafayette um, as an M-A-R-Q-U-E-S-S, -S, but that's a British title of nobility. Yeah. It's actually, and it actually is, it's the, it's the cognate of Marquis. But if you're going to talk about the French, it's Marquis. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, it's, and it's sort of and like it, that and, car, Mercury Marquis. <laughs> and if you're going to claim that you were admitted to the Naval Academy, which he wasn't, that he was top of his law school class, which he wasn't, <laughs> you're supposed to know these things. Jeez, yeah. oh, Pete. And that uh, his son died in Iraq rather than... Yeah, I mean, all this stuff, it's just... And it's, it's, I was afraid for a while that, that people would just go, oh, there it is. It's crazy Joe. But the guy's got access to the nuclear launch codes. So it's not crazy Joe from little Delaware anymore. I don't think it's crazy Joe. I think it's just stupid Joe. Goofy, <laughs> I think it's goofy slow Joe. Joe. Goofy, goofy Joe. Joe. Marcus from Lafayette. You're the you're our next caller. <laughs> we really gotta, we gotta do we gotta do a call-in show just so we can hear from Marcus from Lafayette. Yeah, Marcus De Lafayette. It's like those De NFL Lafayette. players, you know, Joseph does something. Yeah, you know, the uh well duh means from from. I mean, that's in French, it's you know, that would yeah, be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're almost out of time. I mean, we're uh, as, as much as as much as we can have a lot of fun with uh, you know the Marquis de Lafayette. 
Um, if you want to have more fun with that, of course, go to redstate.com and read Andrew's <laughs> column about that because it's up and it's it's there for you as, as well as this Malcolm on the Right um, uh, commentary. It's up over there as well. Also about Joe Biden, one by one, Joe Biden is undoing Donald Trump's advances. Uh, you definitely want to uh, experience that one as well. Both VIP, you got to be a VIP, uh, VIP members in order to access those. Um, but now comes time for the jokes of the week. I'm assuming none of this has to do with Marcus from Lafayette being a no, 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 it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Uh, well, these are, uh, as I always say, these are older ones. Uh, Jay Leno said that uh, President Obama and Mitt Romney uh, had lunch today at the White House. Romney offered to pay, but Obama said, no, no, it's on our grandchildren. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the generational even, company card. <laughs> even, yeah. Yeah, it's even worse now. Conan O'Brien said that Time Warner Cable is testing a new premium service that sets a specific time for the installer to arrive. You have two choices of times, winter or spring. (laughs) (laughs) And um, finally, Conan also said, today is Cyber Monday, a huge online shopping day which is followed tomorrow by Identity Theft Tuesday. <laughs> there you go. Identity Theft Tuesday. It's a it's a national it's a national tradition. Um <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually stealing Marcus from Lafayette's identity. I, I just uh... <laughs> yeah, I think that's wonderful. <laughs> Do I call, have to speak this... in a French accent? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Well, Thank goodness we're back from hiatus so we can do these types of jokes uh-huh. every Tuesday with Andrew Malcolm, the prince of the now uh, transparent Twitter. He's the transparent prince of transparent. That's Twitter. right. That's right. That's right. Oh. Although I am wearing clothing. Yes. Well, yeah. well thank you. I appreciate that. I'm sure. <laughs> and I'm not like Brian Stelter. I'm not wearing shorts because it's not on camera. Well, I, uh, I've got no comment on that part, but hey, also the regent of Red State. Also the regent of Red State. Andrew Malcolm, I think we've revealed just about everything that we need to reveal. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> enough for today. All right. Stay tuned for another message from the Ed Morrissey Show coming up next. This is Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com for Town Hall. Two billionaires dominated the news this week. One had spent $44 billion of his own money to purchase Twitter and provide more transparency and freedom of public speech. The other took in billions of dollars from others, allowed it to move back and forth between two of his companies, and made it disappear. Guess which billionaire got vilified by the mainstream media? Elon Musk, Twitter's new owner. They accuse him of attacking and undermining democracy by using the First Amendment as a moderation value for social media. Meanwhile, Sam bankman fried the founder of FTX and a darling of the left, has been given ample opportunity to rationalize the way the destruction of investors' wealth. He was also the second biggest Democrat donor this cycle. The contrast exposed mainstream media's corrupt value system, excusing fraud while demonizing free speech and transparency. Fortunately, Americans have a far wiser moral compass. I'm Ed Morrissey. Thanks for watching and listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. I just want to drop you a note to remind you that we are still going into 2024 with guns blazing, if you will, 
and with all sorts of momentum uh, going towards Republicans, even after a disappointing midterm cycle, there is plenty of reason to be hopeful about what's coming up in 2024. There is also plenty of reason to worry about the impact that big tech and government agencies like DHS are going to have on the political debate, especially on big social media platforms. That's why it is still more important than ever to support uh, Hot Air and our other town hall properties by becoming a VIP or a VIP Gold member. Now, being a VIP member or a VIP Gold member <clears throat> means that you can comment on the posts and the comment sections are getting very lively, great comment sections. We're really getting a good commentary out there in the, in the com boxes. But you also get exclusive content such as Dwayne Patterson's twice-weekly columns, Tom Jackson's twice-weekly columns from Florida, which is going to be a key uh, battleground in 2024 and a key indicator, especially if Ron DeSantis does get into the race, as we expect, of where the Republican Party is going to go. We've got... The Amiable Skeptics with Adam Baldwin and I, twice weekly, two episodes a week, uh, our video presentation exclusive for VIP members. Plus, we have the VIP Gold Chat with Cam Edwards of BearingArms.com. It's the most fun hour of the week. And I can tell you that both Cam and I will uh, every single time make that claim. The most fun hour of the week. And our VIP Gold members get a chance to participate in it by putting in their comments and questions. And we respond directly to those. In fact, that's the entire reason for having that one hour chat on Wednesdays at 1.30 Eastern time. Uh, if you're a VIP or VIP Gold member, you can uh, you can be part of that. And you can use the promo code SAVEAMERICA, SAVEAMERICA, and get a 25% discount off of VIP and VIP Gold membership. So be sure to do that. Thanks for your time. Thanks for watching The Ed Morrissey Show.